Well, welcome back to our study of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. Tonight we're talking about playing with pain. And uh, and so if you should have a hand, everybody get a handout that needs one. All right. So we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, if you were here last week, we covered uh, the first part of your outline. Talked about how uh, I gave you several examples, real examples from the NFL of how uh, Herm Edwards and several others were quoting how playing with pain is expensive. And that there's there's a you know and I told you about my own experiences and and we talked about high school football and athletics right there's a difference between uh, uh, injury and uh, being hurt and being injured is that's how they defined it when I played you, there's one it's one thing to be hurt you can play with hurt but you can't you know injuries are when you can't play that's how you define them so yes ma'am oh she's counting okay so we talked about that and. Um, Talked about some of the reasons why people play with pain. Uh, the number, you know, here they are. We talked about how there's a responsibility. People that play with pain, they feel like they need to play because they have to. I mean, there's a responsibility. Maybe it's to their family. Uh, peer pressure was one of the things, right? They feel like an external pressure. Uh, sometimes it's a, a, an internal tough guy mentality, right? Uh, we would call that pride, probably. Uh, pride was another one uh, in a worldly sense. Uh, I think the the world doesn't mean it in the same sense as you know we see it in the Bible but a sense of duty, you know, that I'm going to do this, uh, you know, to uh, because, you know, it proves my um, fidelity to the team or to the sport or to myself or whatever it might be. Another good reason that people, or another reason why people play with pain, uh, which I thought was good and, and a lot more biblical, is, is because uh, they want to be a good teammate. Uh, they endure hardness, right, as a good soldier for the sake of the unit. And so we talked about that last week by way of introduction and so um and so that was what we kind of used to open up second corinthians 12 1 through 10 let's look at the text and just see how that kind of correlates with what paul is talking about because paul here is uh you know he's gone into some boasting but he gets a little more serious in chapter 12 and he says hey i'm speaking as a fool in chapter 11 but as he gets into chapter 12 he says it is not expedient for me doubtless to glory right Uh, all things are lawful but not all things are expedient he says it's not expedient for me um uh, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Now when I get into some of this stuff, Paul's saying the things that I've seen, uh, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to get into talking any more about that because that's serious business. I'll tell you about my sufferings. I'll, I'll, I'll go there, have a little fun with you, and compare ourselves with ourselves, which Paul's already said is unwise. I'm willing to do that in chapter 11, but when it comes to the information, the revelation that God has given me, we're not going there. I'm not making light of that. I'm not going to compare myself with anybody. I just want you to know this. Um, I knew a man in the Lord, or in Christ, about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, so he repeats himself, how that he was caught up into the paradise, or into paradise, and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire... Uh, to glory, I shall not be a fool. So he's saying, if I start talking about all the things that I've learned from the Lord that I'm not supposed to reveal, I'm a fool. I'm not going to say a word about it. He says, for I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. 
So I'm not going to go there and tell you guys everything I've seen and heard, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, verse 7, uh, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might be, uh, it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. So, Heavenly Father, once again, thank you for the songs we've sang. Thank you for what we've already covered in regard to review. I pray, God, you help bless this time as we continue in your word. Lord, thank you for the time to pray together. Thank you for the uh, the example and the ensample and the edification that you give us from your word tonight. I pray a blessing to the reading and the hearing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so... Uh, credible Christians, we've already seen credible Christians uh, spend time in God's presence. That's how they play with pain. How did Paul really get through the infirmities of life? Well, he spent time in the presence of God. Now, in this case, he's like, literally, I spent time in the third heaven. You know, So he, that, that motivated him to uh, endure all kinds of hardness for Christ's sake. And so that's what he talks about. So in your blanks, we saw that God gives us vision and revelation when we spend time with him. Right? He saw things that uh, it wasn't even lawful for him to speak about, and that motivated him. And so I talked to you about how it's important to spend time privately in God's presence in verses 1 through 3. There's something that happens. Uh, there's information about God, who He is, that impacts us when we do that. Um, and so, actually, that, that's as, is that as far as we got? Hang on. Uh, no, we're, we're on Credible Christian Sea Life from God's perspective. Okay, so last week we got into uh, spending uh, time privately in God's presence uh, was something that, that uh, is important for us devotionally. Point C, Credible Christians transcend time and space to be in God's presence. I remember talking, how we talked about that, how you know we are all, we're, we're able to tra- traverse right now through time and space. We're so far ahead of science and technology. Right, right now, my cell phone cannot get to the third heaven, but I can. How about that? So there you go. And so we are way ahead of technology. And people really don't, I mean, people, it's really not fun. It's true. I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's, it's also very true. So we are, we are, forget GPS, forget 5G and being, you know, you're going to be a, a human Wi-Fi. We're already a human Wi-Fi. We got Christ in us and we're direct connected to the third heaven. So we're connected. Uh, we talked about the obstacles of spending time in God's word uh, comes from, or in God's presence comes from daily distractions, things that chew up our time. Uh, Doug, you talked about that this morning, right? That could be a regret that we have. We don't want to have that regret. Also, holding on to sin or sins that can block our fellowship with the Father, right? And uh, we don't want to allow those things as obstacles to our ability to transcend time and be in the presence of God. Uh, and so when you're in prayer, you're, you're there. You know, it is, it's, uh, you're in the third heaven. So Paul said he was called up to the third heaven, 2 Corinthians 12, 2. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about what the third heaven was. You know, the first heaven is the earth's atmosphere. Second heaven was outer space. Third heaven is the literal place where the throne of God is in the third heaven. And so, um, and why? And I talked to you about you know. So what is paradise, and why Paul was caught up there? In regard to Luke sixteen, fulfillment of Psalm sixty six eighteen, Ephesians four eight, uh, and so you can go back and listen to all that. And the, and also the importance of the phrase "caught up" typically refers to the rapture. Uh, 
of the church. And so Paul, he had the privilege uh, to see this unspeakable information. He was still limited, though, in his understanding. So he doesn't know exactly how he will be, how he was present in the third heaven. He just knows he was there. And he can recount the details of God's will and God's mission and what God would have him do. So as he was in a positions in his life where he wasn't sure what the next step was, right? So here's a man who was in Arabia. He's been caught up to the third heaven. He's seen things that are unspeakable. You would think that, well, man, a guy that has 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 done that has it all together but yet his by his own admission right in the book of acts the record says that paul he didn't know which way to go uh, at times in Acts 17 he had god had to give him extra revelation so he would know to go to macedonia because the battle was fluid right there's god versus the devil and paul was just available he's like i want to go i think it was to troas and god's like nope you're not going there you're going over here and you're going over to macedonia and so wherever it was that he was he was wanting to go over there in in, uh, asia but he was wanting to go one way and god says nope i'm going to open the door over here another direction so even though he had all this revelation and all this information day to day he still had to trust god for direction right Uh, and so he still had to say god where do you want me and so he was willing to go wherever God called him. So knowledge alone does not mean we have been spending time with God, right? A lack of knowledge is not necessarily an indicator that we have not been spending time with God. So it's you know just because someone doesn't have some sort of knowledge doesn't mean they don't spend time with God. They can still be incredibly close with God and not know something. Vice versa, you can know something and not be very close with God. So we got to be careful how we view our relationship with God. It's not just on what you know, right? We've been talking about that in First John. The Gnostics, they were teaching bad things about God. They were they were people who claimed to know God better than you, but yet in reality they didn't. Because they didn't have a literal understanding of who Christ was. They, they saw him as, a, as more of an allegory and not a real person. So uh, knowledge alone, you've got to be careful with knowledge. Uh, it, it can trick you. That's how the devil... Remember that what was the devil using to tip Adam, uh, trip, trip up Adam and Eve was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so knowledge is a dangerous thing. It's a good thing. It can be a bad thing. And so we just got to be wise in how we use it. All right. And of course, caught up is also. I didn't get into this last week because I was. I think I must have been Russian. But you guys know, caught up is that phrase is the same word we use for the rapture, catching away of the church. And so, rapture is a Latin word. That's where the word for rapture is not a. People say it's not in the Bible. Well, it is. It's it, the Latin word rapture is translated caught up. Uh, and so, uh, so caught caught up is is usually the phrase that is translated there. Rapture comes when we call it the rapture because the Latin is rapturo. And so, anyway, just for those of you that don't know that. So the bottom line is that we, we too, have access to the throne room of God. We, we should be spending time in His presence. That's why we have prayer meetings. So we'll get into that later tonight here in just a few minutes. Let me get into our next point of study. That's all review from last week. This week, we're going to be talking about how credible Christians, in regard to, by the way, uh, dealing with pain, playing with pain, credible Christians spend time in God's presence. That's what we covered last week. This week, we understand that credible Christians see life from God's perspective. All right? So uh, one of the ways that you deal with pain is spending time in God's presence. Right? You do it for Christ's sake. Right? He fills up. Paul's like, I want to fill up the sufferings of Christ. I'm willing to endure hardness. I'm willing to go through these things because, well, I've been with Jesus. I've been in His presence. Well, conversely, uh, credible Christians see life from God's perspective. His viewpoint changed. He's willing to do things that he wouldn't do previously, or perhaps he was willing to endure things he wouldn't have endured otherwise, I should say. 
because of his perspective. His perspective changed. So uh, we see in verses 5 through 8, let's review those again. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 5 through 8, he says, he says in verse 5, Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. One of the, the things that has been affected is the way he views himself, right? His perspective on himself. Once he's been in God's presence, his perspective changes. So he, as John the Baptist says, right? He must increase and I must decrease, right? So his perspective on who he was changed. God is all and I'm nothing, right? I, you know, poof, God's everything. So we can glory in infirmities when we see, this is your fill in the blank, we can glory in infirmities when we see life from God's perspective. And so Paul was able to glory in affliction because he had God's perspective on suffering. He had God's perspective on suffering. In that same verse there, in verse 5, he says, You know, such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. So now infirmities don't look so bad. He's like, you know, I have a whole new perspective on infirmities and, uh, and difficulties. And uh, we could call that pain, even emotional pain. Today, it's not, we don't, in America anyway, we don't deal as much with physical pains, uh, you know, in serving Christ as, as probably emotional things. Our, our, our world is getting increasingly, and it has to be because of, we're agitated because of our senses are overwhelmed with, with information. Everyone's in an information overload, so everybody's a little agitated. So your emotional status is a little more acute than perhaps it would have been even 50 years ago, right? Because you just didn't have to process so much data all the time, and so uh, so some of the infirmities that we face are not always physical. Sometimes they're emotional. More people. I mean, I bet in 1950 you had hardly anybody. I said 50 years ago. That wouldn't even. Man, I'm getting old. So that'd have been 1970. So 19. Uh, but even in 1970, you wouldn't have had as many people talking about depression and all these uh, psychological type of ailments and, and and definitions for really what is a lot of emotional trauma. And uh, and so now we have whole ministries for for you know post traumatic stress disorder. What does that mean? Well, you know what we find out that when somebody's under acute uh, you know trauma uh, shock, it affects them in the way they're wiring. Man, it messes them up. We used to just call it being shell shocked and stuff like that. Well, now we're understanding more about how people respond to those things. So temporal perspective on life will cause a Christian uh, to endure his salvation. Uh, an eternal perspective on life will cause a Christian to enjoy his salvation. And it's the difference between the temporal and the eternal. So Paul had had a glimpse into eternity, man. He had been there, and his whole perspective changed. He's like, you know what? Now that we're getting right down to it, and I'm being, as, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to what who Paul was or what he said or misrepresent him, but in a way, let me just say it like that, in a way... Paul is saying, I really don't care what y'all think at this point. You know, I've been to the third heaven. I know what God's given me. And I tell you what, if you if you just want to, if we're going to, if we're just going to glory, let's just glory in our suffering for Christ. Because at this point, uh, your opinion, and I've already preached on this earlier, whose opinion matters to Paul at this point? God's opinion. Yeah, God's opinion. He's not worried about all the false teachers running around, all the people that are puffing themselves up in Corinth trying to make Paul out to be nothing. He's like, you know what, whatever. Uh, Guys, if I'm going to glory, I'm going to glory in my infirmities. 
uh, in my introduction last week, I read a quote from Herman Edwards um, in which he stated that when he was hurt and felt like he couldn't go, how many remember Dick Vermeil? He used to coach at the Chiefs, right? He also was at the Eagles with uh, Herman Edwards back in the day. He said Dick Vermeil would encourage his heart to play for his other team members for the sake of the team. Uh, and uh, and there was there were times when I said, boy, I don't know if I can do this, Edward said. But when the adrenaline hits after that meeting, and I had Dick Vermeil so he could get you fired up in the meeting, you felt obligated to your teammates to go out and win a game. And that's how I felt. That's how I think players feel now. So as Christians, we should spend time in the presence of God, getting hold of God's mind and understanding that this life is much less about me and much more about Him. Right? And his beloved church and those who need to be born again. You know, Herm Edwards is like saying basically Dick Vermeil, this coach, was able to speak words, right? And I was having physical infirmities, physical, you know, empirical. They could probably do an x ray, you know, do an MRI, CAT scan. They're like, Herm Edwards, you have a physical infirmity. But Dick Vermeil could speak words that would inspire him to go out and go beyond his physical limitations so that the team could win and he would play for his teammates man god god's like that with his word right god has spoken to paul paul has come and says hey guys you know what i'm willing to endure hardness for y'all's sake for christ's sake so when we spend time personal time with christ we receive words of encouragement because god puts everything in life in perspective So here's some inspiring words from our Father delivered in such a way that we, like Paul, learn to glory in our infirmities and play with pain. And uh, and so let's, uh, if you got your Bibles, flip over there to Matthew six, and you have, I think you have these references there, so they're easy to find. We'll go in order. Matthew six. Somebody want to read Matthew six thirty three through thirty four? A familiar verse to many of us. Thank you, Jeff. I, I don't know about you, but that fires me up. These are per, these are verses I personally get fired up about. When I think about God, this is one of the first verses that God spoke to my heart about when I was first saved. So I was six chapters into the New Testament uh, reading this passage, and I just, man, it stuck with me the rest of my life. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness... And all these things shall be added unto you. So he's talking about priority. You know, what do we prioritize? God's kingdom comes first. You know, don't hold back, right? Take no thought for the morrow. For the morrow will take th- thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So don't hold back. Go hard after God, right? Colossians 3. Somebody want to read verses 1 through 4? Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Amen. These are things that this is really in the wheelhouse of, the, of this church, this little literal church, but also this church age, right? Colossians chapter three. So the admonition here is that is that we are really to have this eternal mindset, right? So having an eternal perspective should should work out 
you know, how we view things on this earth, right? We shouldn't think too highly of them, right? He's like, set your affection, your emotion, right? When we think of affection, we think that's an emotional response. Set your affection on things above, not on the things of your of this earth. That doesn't mean you can't have things on this earth, but you should not get emotionally attached to them. Our emotional attachment should be to the things in heaven. And therefore, right, uh, we got to reckon, like it says in Romans, that we're dead and our life is hid with Christ in God. We got to believe and reckon and understand. It doesn't say reckon here, it says that in Romans. But we got to understand that our life is hid in Christ. And so there's hope there, right? Someday uh, our faith will be sight. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, we'll also appear with him in glory. And so not only will we be with him in glory, being in the third heaven, not only will we be with him in the clouds, but we will be with him in glory, meaning light. We will also be illuminated as he's illuminated. That's what the promise of the resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, is all about. And so, in a nutshell, you know, if I was really just going to summarize it into uh, one, two, three, four, five words, five words, I would say live life with, uh, with uh, eternal purpose. Live life with eternal purpose. Like if I was Dick Vermeil, I'd say live li-, He always had his mouth cook, crooked. Live life with eternal purpose. You know, I, he didn't talk like that, but I do. Anyway, uh, and then another verse there that I gave you is 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen. Oh, and I'll read that one. Um, unless someone has it. Anybody have that? Okay, go ahead, Jamie D. Amen. Doesn't that just that just sounds like a man verse, uh, man. So don't don't talk don't talk like a man of God. Walk like a man of God. Right. That's how I'd summarize. Don't talk like if I was a football coach. Don't talk like a man of God. Walk like a man of God. Right. That's uh you know that's really uh, something that again Doug brought out this morning. There's those that say, hey, uh, I'm not going to go. Then they do it. Right. That's walking like a man of God. There's some that say I'm going to do it, and then they don't. That's not walking. Like, that's a liar. First John also speaks to that. Um, you don't want to be a liar. So, um, and so that's who's a, who's a liar, by the way. Yeah, your father, the devil. So just get this down. I love Zach Williams. Saw him at the stadium last week or two, whatever. But fear is not a liar. Satan is a liar. So just keep that straight. Uh, your emotions aren't the problem. Satan is the problem. All right, Second Timothy chapter two, uh, verses one through four. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I'm sorry. Does someone have that verse? I don't want to rob you of the joy. Okay, I'm going to keep going. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier, Jesus Christ. Uh, no man that warth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So here's one where he's saying, be strong, like Paul's saying, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Right, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Right, and how do you do that? Well, if you're strong in grace, you're going to repeat the things that you've heard from me. Now, this is Second Timothy. This is also the same passage where Paul is is encouraging him to endure hardness in verse three as a good soldier. Right, and no man that war. He's he's using these analogies that are are, are very um, are very. Uh, Serious, very difficult. You know, war. If you're in a war, don't get entangled in the affairs of this life. You got to be free to serve the one who's called you in the battle. You know, you don't just get the oh, you know what? I'm tired of this this firefight. I'm just going to go home right now. You know what? In a real battle, if you do that, you're going to get shot by your own people. 
right? And World War there were actually were people even in World War II, Eisenhower executed uh, the the people who tried to defect. And uh, if they tried to go AWOL, there were certain under certain circumstances you could get executed. You do not run from the battle. It's, you run into the battle. You don't run from the battle unless you're called to retreat, of course. But I mean, you don't you don't just leave your your people behind. So Paul's saying, hey, Timothy, I'm getting I'm getting call orders to go home soon. I need you to stay in war, good warfare. I need you to be strong. How are you going to do that? We talked about this morning. Not in our own power. But in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Okay, Second Timothy three twelve. If you're if this one here says yea, what's it say? You guys know this one. Second Timothy three twelve. Yea, and all that will. Ah, oh, we love that verse. Don't we? Just bring it on. We love you, God. Persecute me, right? So, what's that really telling us, though? If you're not a target, you're not a threat, right? If you're not a target to the adversary, you're not a threat. If you're not a target of the adversary, I should say you're not a threat to the adversary. That's how you, that's how a football coach would say it. So if you're not a target of the adversary, you're not a threat to the adversary. So be happy, be glad, because uh, if you're being as Peter talked about that, if you're if you're suffering for righteousness' sake, well, glory, hallelujah to you. You're doing a great job. Romans 15. I'm going to read this for time's sake. When we when ye that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. Right. So Paul, or uh, the, well, Paul's writing in First Corinthians or Romans fifteen, and he he's really using Jesus as the example. And as we move to Hebrews 12, the Bible says in verse 1, Wherefore, seeing also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which just so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, running with patience doesn't mean it's a breeze. That means it may hurt. You know, run even when your side's hurting. Run even when your calves are aching. Run even when you're out of breath. Right? Run with patience the race that is set before you. But also pace yourself. Right? Don't 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 be so overpaced that you can't finish the race. Right? But run with patience the race that is set before you, um, looking unto Jesus. Right? Looking with a new perspective, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Have that perspective for the joy that was set before Him. He had the perspective. He endured the cross. He played with pain because he was looking forward to crossing the finish line, and despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He didn't enjoy dying on the cross. Sometimes as Christians, it's like, oh, I enjoy the suffering. No, you don't have to fake it. Uh, sometimes it's not fun uh, to serve. But you don't. the joy doesn't come necessarily in just what you're doing. It comes in who you're doing it for, right? Jesus could see that I'm going to get back to the third heaven. As he prayed in John 17, you know, restore me like I was before, right? I'm going to get back to the glory that I had in the past before I stepped into this carcass and became sin for man, uh, that knew no sin, all right? And so he's like, you know what? I can't wait to get back. So I'm going to endure whatever it takes to get there. And uh, and so we got to have an eternal perspective, Colossians chapter 3, right? If we don't set our affections on those things, it's going to be hard to serve. So in America, we've had it pretty easy the last, you know, my lifetime, my spiritual lifetime, even the last 30-some years. But... Uh, 35 years or so, but it's been it's been a few hundred years since it's been really hard to live as a Christian, right? You got to go back, you know, probably to the pre, you know, probably the 1600s or 1700s uh, when they were when we were outlawed. Bible believing Baptist Baptistic people were being persecuted, uh, you know, 
killed sometimes, but mainly persecuted legally and having their belongings taken um, here in the United States. Some people don't even know that that there was a time here, it wasn't the United States, in the colonies, a lot of the Revolutionary War was based on the liberty for people like us to worship freely. Because uh, even among the religious crowd that came from Europe, they tend to want to persecute people like us who didn't necessarily uh, agree with 100% of their doctrine. Uh, we were really Bible literalists, and so, and so those things are uh, people forget that. Uh, and so God's really blessed our country, and as far as Christianity, and opened a lot of doors. Yeah, Ron. And even the Revolutionary War guys, a lot of those leaders, you know, even though they were rich men before the war, they they lost everything. They sacrificed everything. Oh, absolutely. Many of those men did lose their earthly fortunes. And some of them did that and still went to hell, unfortunately. But, uh, but the reality for, even for Christians, you know, is that it's not always a cup of tea, is it? So the, getting back to my point though, how do you play with pain? What makes it worth it all? Well, sometimes it isn't worth it on the earth, you know, physically. It's worth it for eternity, right? When you see the fruit of eternity. And so, uh, you've heard the story of the missionaries that come home, right? And they, they spent their whole life on the field. And they get home and they're in the, this, during the wartime. This, I don't know if it's a true story. I've heard this. So I'm repeating what I've heard. It may not even be true. It's, if it's not true, it's okay. The analogy works. They come home from war and they get to the shore. And, uh, right, it's World War II and everybody's coming to see their, their, uh, their loved ones and those returning from the battle. And this missionary couple, nobody's there to see them. Nobody's there to celebrate. And the way the husband consoles his wife is he's like, hey, I'm not worried about it because my celebration isn't, I'm not done until I get to heaven. Right? The Lord will celebrate. And that's, a, that's an eternal perspective. He's able to handle even emotional difficulty because he is dealing with an eternal perspective. doesn't mean it's easy. It just means that's how it is. So it's, it's our turn, biblically speaking, uh, to take the field. Right? There are many gathered in the heavenlies watching us uh, with our turn on the stage. It's our turn to play. Right? Are, are we ready? You know, when Herm Edwards was playing for Dick Vermeil, he wasn't asking someone else to go out and play in pain. He was asking, he was asking Herm Edwards to play in pain. It didn't matter what, what the other guy was doing. What mattered to Herm Edwards is what I gotta get done. And there's times when we're so focused on what God calls us to do that we gotta, we gotta get after it. Are we willing? You know, are we ready and are we willing? Many who are in the heavenlies, uh, uh, stands right now, uh, give, gave the ultimate measure of devotion for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself uh, thought us worthy to, re- to resist unto blood, uh, not unto blood, striving against sin, right? Physical death. He faced physical death for us. So are we living for Jesus or sitting on the bench uh, because we've been afflicted? Right? Herm Edwards is like, nope, uh, after I heard the words, once I got a different perspective from, from, her, from uh, Dick Vermeule, I was ready to go out and play. And pay. I wasn't sure I could play. But after, not only was I ready to play, I was ready to play to win, right? And I did that for my, for everybody else's sake, for Christ's sake. That's what we should do in the kingdom of God. All right. So uh, I still have a lot further to go to point three. So I think I'm getting out of time. So I'm going to pause right there. We'll pick this up next week. We talk about having God's perspective gives us strength to press on in the midst of spiritual warfare. And so uh, I'm just going to bookmark it because if I keep going, we'll be here way past time. So, uh, so we'll pick it up there next time. Are there any are any any questions on what we've covered?
Um, you know, when you think about, it's good, you know, so I've kind of given you two levels of perspective tonight. When you think about this, let me just bring this down practically speaking. We started off talking about Jesus, right, and the perspective of the third heaven, the glory that shall be revealed in us. So there's one level that's just uh, just outstanding, which is the sufferings of Christ. We get to fill, Paul got to fill up the sufferings of Christ. We get to fill up the sufferings of Christ. But there's another level where there are those, like Hebrews chapter 12 talks about, that God uh, in Hebrews chapter 11 speaks to us more clearly about those. Uh, again, uh, one of them was mentioned this morning, how uh, Isaiah sawn asunder, right? He, he, he equated Isaiah as being sawn asunder in Hebrews 11. You hear about these and those unnamed ones, right, that, that didn't have a home and, uh, and that suffered. So there's also others that suffer that inspire us to continue to go forward. And there's something about reading Fox's Book of Martyrs. There's something about um, just understanding the cost the price that puts a value in human terms upon what it is you're engaged in supernaturally and spiritually. There is a there is a, the suffering helps us remember how important it is, right? And so it means something to you because where your treasure is, there's your heart also. When you invest your life and your health and your wealth and your body and you know to where, when you invest everything into something, it, it, it means it's valuable. Uh, unless you're a fool, right? Uh, and you invest in something that is of no value. And so uh, I just would encourage you guys to consider you know, the difficulties. There's some difficulties in ministry. There's difficulties. And um, if you're going to disciple, you're going to have to And this is not even a sacrifice. But you're going to have to give time. You may not get to watch your favorite TV show. whoop de doo right? Uh, you, may, you may not get to, you know, but when I was young in the Lord, it was a big deal for me to miss a Chiefs game back in the day. Now I don't even care about the Chiefs. But back then, man, I was like, it, well, no, not, not as much this year. I don't care as much. I'm about done with professional sports now. But anyway, that's another story. But, uh, but, uh, uh, but you get what I'm saying. When I was young in the Lord, I was, it, was real, it was a real struggle. I look at that now and think, and I can remember how God just gently, you know, pried all that out of my hand and my heart, really, not my hand, my heart. And how did he do that? You know, well, it was by changing my perspective. He changed my perspective. And now I look at some of that and I'm thinking, back at the day, that was a sacrifice. It felt like, and I look at it and I'm like, well, that was that was selfish. So what I thought was a sacrifice from God's perspective is selfish. And as we continue to grow, I think I think a lot of the things that we consider sacrifices, we get to the third heaven and we look back on it, we're like, man, how selfish I was. Right, because they're far from sacrifices. Uh, but praise the Lord, I don't want to go negative on y'all. But uh, the point that I'm bringing up is it's all about perspective it's about perspective so if we're going to have the proper perspective what do we need to do to get it stay in the word word, which is what i was saying stay in god's presence because once we're in his presence it changes our perspective and once we change our perspective we're able to deal with all kinds of hardness persecution even and so uh, that's important today right the right perspective uh, comes from the right presence being in god's presence all right that's what we talked about we'll pick that up in the presence it will even talk more about that next week because we'll forget about everything i said anyway so we'll have to review it again maybe we'll get it all down all right so let's have a a word of prayer we'll do the prayer list and then uh, we'll uh, break up and pray heavenly 
Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to conclude uh, this time of teaching. As we now transition to our prayer time, I pray, God, that you would just continue to work in, uh, in our midst as, uh, Lord, we do the work of interceding in prayer. And, uh, Lord, thank you for the privilege of, of doing what we talked about, Lord, uh, transcending time and space into the very third heaven, the, the, the seat of all power and glory and authority, a place in which, as humans, we have no business. But because of Christ, Lord, you have made it our business to take the things that are going on here and, and beseech you for your power and your uh, and the privilege, Lord, of seeing you work uh, in your kingdom, in your time, right here on this earth uh, in real time. Lord, we don't have all the knowledge necessarily that we uh, that you do, Lord. Obviously, we don't have all the knowledge that you do. We don't understand all the all the pieces on the of the chess table and where everything needs to go. Oftentimes, Lord, but Lord, we just pray right now that the prayer would be fervent and effectual, and it would avail much because, Lord, you are the one with the knowledge, you are the one with the power, and you are the one who has uh, persevered on the cross to give us this access. And Lord, help us to have the right perspective on life so that we can bring honor and glory to your name and to your kingdom. We thank you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I'm going to turn this off.